Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free. Welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss knowledge retention, specifically. What's your process? Welcome, Carly. Well, thank you, Miles. This is an interesting topic, talking about knowledge retention and a process. The process for the retention makes total sense to me, but I never thought of it that way. I absolutely agree. It's unexpected. But this is really one of the biggest problems, challenges, that our member companies face. You know... Workforce is a big one. Right. Materials. Oh, yeah. Right? So is rising prices for everything. <laughs> yes. Inflation, right? Mm-hmm. But knowledge retention, that's our secret sauce. Okay, how so? Everybody can buy the same machines. We can all go to a dealer and buy the same machine. Yeah. It's what our process knowledge is on how to use those machines to our best ability that is where we add the real value. So is it just like the steps, the how-tos that you're looking for when we're retaining knowledge? Well, it's not only the how-tos, but sometimes it's the why. Or, more importantly, why not? Don't do that. <laughs> oh, so those little nuances that the machinists know that aren't necessarily in A, B, and C. Exactly. Work instructions, you know, everybody with a quality system is, you know, they've got documented work instructions. And those instructions tell our performer what it is to do, but they don't provide the facts and context needed to understand why the work should be done that way. And they might be reinventing the wheel, right? Making the same mistake somebody already made instead of learning from that person's and, mistakes. And very expensive mistake. They can be very, especially <laughs> with the pricing of tools materials. and materials. <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So we um, need to have uh, our employees, there's, there's this tension between having fixed processes or our customers want us to have fixed processes. And at the same time, for quality of work and actually for to allow our employee, our performers to, to bloom, we want them to be empowered. And so this, this idea of empowering our associates um, needs to mean that they have the information they need to make decisions rather than just blindly obey a document. Uh, so you're talking about broadening the, the definition of empowered. Yes. And, and how do managers do that? Well, I, I can't say that I have an answer, but I have some questions I'd like to ask. You always have questions. That's how we get answers. I love it. So does your company, department, work group, or performers have a process for identifying credible knowledge applicable to the work being performed? Or do they just go on YouTube and see where to put the oil in the muffler? Oh, my. 
Oh my. Oh my. Credible, <laughs> credible being the important aspect of that question. Does, does your performer have the context needed to tie the work that they're trying to do to the task, to the equipment, to the process, to the customer, or to their knowledge of the craft? Maybe it's material. Maybe they see this material has very low sulfur and say, I'm going to need to fortify my metalworking fluid. Maybe they say, I'm going to need more or less rake angle, or I'm going to need to slow down because of some aspect. You know, do they, do they have the context, do they have the ability to connect their knowledge and their actions to the circumstances that, hey, we just provided the material, right? And, and that needs to be available right. to that employee and identified as this is what you need this knowledge for. Right. And maybe the most senior performers know every time material comes in with that color band, hey, this is what we need to do. Sure. They probably don't even think twice about it anymore. They don't. They see that color banding and say that came from this supplier and here's what we do different with their material because. But does every employer, every performer share that same knowledge? Gotcha. And that's why I'm talking about a process for knowledge retention. They have it, these senior people, these more experienced people. But what about those just starting, breaking in, or hitting their stride in the craft? So if, if this knowledge is going to be available, does, is one person in charge of making sure this knowledge is gathered? I'm, there's a better word for it. Well, sure. So who curates your, curates, your tribal knowledge, right? Who curates your, your, the knowledge of the craft and shop? Yes, it's in the heads of the most senior performers, but as we've seen, uh, a lot of our senior talent has left because of retirement, or, or other reasons. So we really need to have not only a process identified, but a curator identified to capture that, to make that available to, as a repository. You know, where, where is this kept? How is this kept? You know, is it just pages in a folder? <laughs> Forgive me, but that's not really good uh, practice for the back shift with the offices locked. But what if it was available as a video on a QR code that they could nail anytime, anywhere with any smart device? That's true, especially in today's day and age. That would be a much easier way of doing things. What's your process? What's your process? So, okay, you, you've talked about a person curating it, and you've talked about the credibility of it. Who decides if it's credible? Do they have to come up with somebody, or is it just all knowledge is credible? Well, I think that when we have experience, our experience informs us as to credibility or not. You know, it's when you don't put the chip breaker in and you get a ribbon that comes out and grabs passing pedestrians <laughs> three blocks away. Even I know that's you, bad. <laughs> you, you know that, you know, maybe there's, there's a lesson to be learned. Uh, I think that there needs to be a way to capture that knowledge and broadcast it, not only at the time, but then to capture it 
for, for knowledge preservation purposes, right? So we have daily huddles. Okay. Uh, maybe we have a weekly recap meeting. Maybe we're just capturing notes on job orders at completion at the scale. But really, this is the, the gold standard part of the process for capturing this knowledge. Is do you have a process that identifies this knowledge, captures it, shares it, and make sure it's not just the experience of these three people who, who grabbed it, got grabbed by the chip from 1010 on the, on the ACME, and instead, everybody in, in the company understands we really need to do something different when we get that material in. So, okay, so they need to identify the knowledge and who has it. Right. Well, there needs to be a person who's right. sort of the owner of this, this task. They need to identify it. They need to document it. Mm -hmm. And then they need to make it available not only on a daily basis, like your QR code, but you're even saying, like, having meetings to say, okay, what what tidbit did we learn this week or this material or well, something along those exactly lines? Exactly right. So continuous improvement is that's kind of important if we're going to sustain our business. And every shift, somebody's learned something. Every shift, somebody said, hey, if... If I put it in the Jacob's chuck on the tailstock and then I put it in the three-jaw chuck, it's already so close to center, I might not even need to, to, to indicate it, right? As right. opposed to just sticking it in by hand and then the thing wobbles and it grabs your, your belt or suspenders as you're walking by. So, so how do we capture those? I think we have a meeting, a shift meeting, mm -hmm. a note on a log, uh, that kind of thing. And, and that's a way to document it and capture that. And then it needs to be shared, escalated for the entire tribe, right? So we all know that one channel and mentioning something one time doesn't necessarily get the message across. Or somebody hears it, but they don't need it for months in advance. So what are other than the QR code, what are your other suggestions for well, as you know, on our mastery program, we've visited some really leading shops, and those shops may be making parts. Those shops may be making tools or accessories for the shops that are making parts. And some of the things that I've seen are, are really powerful that capture a situation. It's just a photo, and it's an update, and it's on a bulletin board by the machine and says, hey, when you see this... <laughs> <laughs> do this. Do that. <laughs> or don't do that. Or don't do that. Okay. <laughs> or here's here's the alert from the customer. They found this, and how did it get through our system? So visual aids, mm -hmm. but documented, not just a sticky note that can you know lose its stick and then it's <laughs> on the floor and then nobody on knows. On someone's right? shoe and walking it, out the door. It needs to be something. You talked about credibility, and. I think that each company needs to understand what are credible authorities. Mm -hmm. in, in my office, on the shelf to the right of my computer, I've got my uh, ASTM books, I've got my AS SAE manuals. Behind me, I've got my Metals Handbook Desk Edition. I mean, there are some agency references that you need to have 
so that you've got the facts when a question comes up. So that's, that's another aspect of knowledge retention, actually having the right resources, credible resources, and someone who's, I won't say the high priest, but the keeper of that knowledge and has the access and is the final arbiter if decisions need to be made. Okay, so are there any other ways for this knowledge, this process for the knowledge retention to happen? Well, so far, Carly, we've talked about what the organization can do. Yeah. And we're pointing at the person with the books. We're pointing at the people in the meeting. We're pointing at someone building a QR code or a library or taking pictures and pasting them up. But our performers need to have a process themselves, a process to capture lessons learned, good ideas, best practices, and oh my goodness, don't do that again. <laughs> kind of note, note to self. Mm -hmm. <laughs> note to self. I still have my notebook, which I lovingly call my apprentice notes. Oh. Okay. I wasn't an apprentice. I'm not a machinist. I can set up a brown and sharp close to print in about eight hours. <laughs> and I can run a Bridgeport. Uh, you know, I think that was my favorite, favorite machine tool when I was taking my entry-level courses. But I have a notebook when I left U.S. Steel, went to Bliss and Laughlin Steel as plant metallurgist, and I had to learn machine capacities. I had to learn what the specs were for straightness and for runout and for surface finish and for diameter and for shear tolerance and there's just so much stuff. I wrote it down. I dated it. I can tell it's my writing. If someone told me, like Ron Stout from Inland Steel, that was credible, I put down per Ron Stout at Inland Steel. I, I refer to those notes almost on a weekly basis, answering questions on the listserv. People think I've got a great memory. My memory isn't worth a bead. <laughs> Well, you remember where you put the note, though. Hey. But, <laughs> There's and something that's, about that. That's my point. Right. As an individual, I have a process for capturing essential knowledge. I called it my apprentice notes. I'm still putting entries in, you know, when I find out something new. Well, I imagine those are important, too, because a lot of times once you become experienced, you forget the foundational stuff because it comes so naturally to you. So if you do have those notes that you took when you were new, that's going to be helpful to somebody who's coming in. Right. It's, it's top of mind. For instance, I was lab supervisor at U.S. Steel. Mm -hmm. I knew what our typical silicon was when we were turning down 12 resulfurized steel heats, right? I knew that. I was lab supervisor. If it was above 01, I needed to get a retest, and we'd do a wet analysis because if it's above 01, somebody's going to be breaking tools, and we're going to get a couple hundred tons of steel claimed back. Mm. So I knew that. It's been 30 years, 40 years. I don't really remember what that limit was for silicon. Well, I do for silicon because that was bad. <laughs> But the fact is, my apprentice notes have my typical residuals. You watch those CSI shows, right? Mm -hmm. The forensic people, they get out the fancy light and they do all this science stuff. I've got that stuff written in my apprentice notes. 
So it's interesting. I'm just sitting here thinking of notebooks that I have as well. But I imagine there are people out there who don't have notebooks but have computer files or, or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. A different way. But either way, it's got to be documented. It, it does. And maybe maybe your, your shop's process is after we complete a job, we scan in all the job notes into a job folder and it's up on the cloud. The question is, those notes, if they're for more than a specific feature on that job, that part, maybe those more general craft, love of craft notes should be captured in some way and, and made available to be accessed or, or researched or, or investigated because um, there's a lot of institutional knowledge. And uh, the question is, what is your shop's process to capture that and make that available to all the performers, not just on day shift? All the shifts. All the shifts, and not just the top guys that are allowed in the, sh in the office to ask, but the people that are starting out and <laughs> need to know how not to make the chip from hell. <laughs> Certainly helps with efficiency, if nothing else. It does. So, uh, what are the ways and means that you use in your shop to uh, retain knowledge, to broadly share that knowledge, and uh, and and capture the things as they occur, so that uh, your people are operating at their highest and and best capability. That's the task. That's the question. That wraps up today's podcast on knowledge retention. What's your shop process? Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You don't want to miss one. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org, where you can also search for articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources. And if you aren't already taking advantage of a PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see the myriad of other benefits. And why is a PMPA membership so important, Miles? Because, because we, we are better, better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles. 